Welcome to Logos. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome Andreas Breitfeld. Finally, I can meet a fellow German and he has quite an extensive life story and career behind him, as well as some inciting insights into his main fields of biohacking. First of all, I would be thankful if you perhaps could give a brief introduction into who you are and what you're currently working on. Yeah, Sebastian. So first of all, thanks for the invitation. So super happy to be uh, with you this, uh, today. Um, yeah, um, as already mentioned, my name is Andreas Breitfeld. I'm currently, yeah, I guess I'm within the definition of the old white male. So I'm close to 50 years old, uh, was um, trained as an editor in health and fitness many, many years ago, was the first fitness editor for Shape magazine before I started a little bit of a kind of career in the fields of communication and founded one of the more successful um, PR agencies taking care of mainly sporting goods and sporting apparel. Yeah, after riding the wave for quite a time, um, I managed to yeah, wreck myself uh, at the early age of 32 completely and found myself um, sitting on a beach in Thailand without any single hormone left let's put it like this so i was completely burned out and uh, had to realize that uh, as entertaining this uh, life with uh, all the traveling for the uh, pr business with meeting all the people with having all this rock and roll kind of lifestyle also paid a little bit um, of a price uh, to my health that was not exactly what i was looking for yeah and um so I was there in Thailand uh, six years ago and uh, had to figure out what's going wrong in my life or basically had to figure out, is there anything that's not going wrong in my life? And um, yeah, since I had a little bit of holiday time planned and I was sitting there anyway, I started to uh, Google a little bit through the internet and was lucky enough to find like some of these American superstars like um, Dave Asprey or even more interesting Ben Greenfield Tim Ferris was at this point of time not so, so much like a superstar in terms of just hosting a podcast but he was one of the initial biohackers in my eyes and uh, I think his books uh, for our body basically um, led me into um, this understanding of uh, this N equal one experimentation stuff and uh, yeah, was basically not just the starting point for me regaining my own health, but also for shifting my business and career afterwards. So without um, yeah, making the story too long, so basically I was... Um, burned out on, on, on any level. I had a leaky gut. I was uh, for many, many years suffering from celiac disease, but um, was not aware about it. So I basically um, killed myself with the fork and um, yeah, had all those nice side effects like uh, heavy metals going through the leaky gut into the brain. So my... Mm, 
abilities to articul articulate myself were completely gone. So in English, when you listen to me, you still feel like uh, he's not like the most eloquent guy, but uh, trust me, um, when I started to stutter in German, um, I reached a point where I felt like, okay, um, maybe ending this life is the best option I could find. Yeah, some say, thank, thanks God, some say, oh shit, um, but obviously I did not end my life, but I found a way back. And after yeah, six or seven months working with some, yeah, nowadays we would call them functional doctors here in the Munich area. I had not just a good glimpse of understanding what went wrong before, but also something like a strategy out of this burnout situation. Yeah, and uh, six, seven months later, I would say I was in the happy situation to having fixed myself on a quite decent level and was super enthusiastic about this new idea of uh, taking uh, the, uh, yeah, how to put it, yeah, responsibility for my own health in my own hands and becoming whatever the CEO of my health or whatever you want to call it. So basically, um, I'm one of those guys uh, in this field of health optimization who is has been the wounded healer myself, so I'm not one... Uh, like uh, you probably are, Sebastian, who is just like um, delving into the idea of health optimization because you want to be better, quicker, faster, whatever. For me, it was really like coming out of this, yeah, a little bit more distracted situation. And yeah, um, so so that was the starting point. Now, six years later, I'm... Um, still located in Munich, Germany. I'm running the first biohacking lab in the German-speaking countries. Uh, was fortunate enough to develop a little bit of products in conjunction with a company called KTC in terms of shielding. So um, if you go to the Lanzerhof website, you would find the um, EMF-blocking sleeping bag that has been, uh, yeah, basically constructed uh, with a fabric that I have invented and has been uh, made according to the idea that I wanted to have something like a shielding sleeping bag for plane travel or even for for the bus or everywhere else where you're sitting in a Faraday's cage uh, being surrounded by all these artificial electromagnetic fields. Um, I got I got my hands on, on a pants project. So if you go to the biohacking bookstore, you will find some EMF blocking pants uh, made with another kind of fabric that I have constructed. And uh, that is, uh, yeah, I would say it's the inofficial uh, biohacking superstar uh, um, Travel pant. Um, since since we are now after whatever seventeen months and something, I tend to call the uh, black plague. Um, travel is no longer so important than it used to be. So um, all these travel devices a little bit, um, yeah, um, out of the focus and um, looking to the uh, changes in the world. I have no idea, but uh, so yeah. Um, I stopped basically doing the PR business last year and ended up now being a full-time biohacker with a little bit of whatever side gigs, uh, as if you want to call it, uh, like uh, 
um, after a big um, feature, the guys at Red Bulletin did about myself in the lab last year. Right now I'm working as a whatever consulting biohacker with Red Bull on a special edition of another magazine um, about biohacking. I'm also launched um, an English podcast uh, a few months ago, which is a quite funny thing because, um, yeah, everybody listening already realized um, when they gave away the accents, I obviously raised my hand two or three times. So I, I'm sounding a little bit like Mr. Schwarzenegger in the bad days. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, 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 th I think at the end, um, the reason... Uh, I'm trying to do all the stuff is on the one hand side to, yeah, obviously raise awareness um, about this idea of health optimization or being responsible of health in general. And then um, especially looking into the topics that are a little bit, yeah, less commonly known or even a little bit more... Um, complicated to explain so um yeah right to to end the monologue in a second um if we talk about food if we talk about sleep if we talk about whatever drug abuse um also things uh, i think it's quite easy to find some common ground with most of the people but um when we talk about um non-native electromagnetic fields when we talk about uh, light health or stuff like this it's becoming a little bit more complicated because obviously the amount of studies conducted is not overwhelming big especially in europe and yeah also um I think many people, especially nowadays, are sick and tired about this uh, idea of having to take uh, in consideration another negative effect of something. So, yeah. Anyway, um, I hope um, you have uh, still in mind what you asked me 20 minutes before. <laughs> and Yeah. No, sure. Uh, I, I would really like to comment on that because, yeah, I believe that's a very important point speaking about how one may uh, start engaging with with this kind of practice because of course there needs to be some kind of innate motivation to begin and i'm in this fortunate place that i don't have to go through the the suffering that kind of those who are now engaged in teaching this to me so I can improve my health and don't fall into the pitfalls you unfortunately nowadays are headed in even if you've never thought about this you don't have to intentionally wound your life from this kind of modern lifestyle uh, yeah there's a high probability you will run into problems so of course the the overwhelming discourse, as you just mentioned, will always circle around the main topics of nutrition, exercise, what people actually think about. So I found it very interesting that your focus from uh, product-wise was rather on more uncommon ideas Yeah, that people perhaps don't really like to focus on because it gets more abstract and complicated. Um, so I would really be interested in diving deeper, especially into EMFs, 
and their effect, and of course, perhaps how we could mitigate and also treat the increasing load on our bodies. Yeah, abs absolutely. Um, with, with EMF or electromagnetic fields, the first thing we have to do, because uh, it's going to take us some minutes, but otherwise it's uh, a, a journey that uh, it's never going to end at a good place, is we need to look a little bit into the different kind of uh, electromagnetic fields. So uh, obviously there are some natural electromagnetic fields, including the visible light created by the sun, um, the Earth's uh, electromagnetic field, uh, some, something that has been measured like whatever, 40 years ago by a German guy called Schumann, uh, therefore known as the Schumann resonance, um, says on the other hand side in the um, non-native electromagnetic fields, we, we can look at the low-level uh, EMF, like the stuff that's created around your power outlet when we are um, using electrical uh, uh, power for whatever reasons. Um, there, there's also this uh, high-level electromagnetic uh, field stuff, um, like what's emitted by your Wi-Fi router, is the, the stuff that's needed for mobile communication, whatever if it's 3G, 4G, 4G, 5G. So all this stuff is uh, also electromagnetic fields. And um, because this is not already enough to uh, continue talking for quite a long time, even um, many kind of heat like infrared rays and stuff like this, it's also something that's part of the electromagnetic fields. So um, as much as I like simplifying, we always have to look a little bit into a different kind of uh, EMF and uh, what are we asking for or, or what are we talking about. Um, but um, to address first of all the elephant in the room, um, the, the high-level electromagnetic fields are a little bit in my eyes like the new yeah, most problematic thing uh, we, we have because um, it's, it's quite simple. At the end, um, there's a saying in English, there's no free lunch in nature, and I think there's also no free dinner in nature. So all the benefits of this new and modern life, um, like uh, being able to um, travel the world, uh, being available um, on the phone all the time, being in the nice situation to connect with our friends via all the social media channels and all the stuff, no matter if we are both sitting in the same city or um, the one is located in Bali and the other one in South Africa, whatever. It's all possible and of course, um, modern technologies have allowed us a way more flexible lifestyle and also for me, I'm super happy when the sun is shining and I can get a little bit out uh, over lunchtime but have my phone with me and uh, may or may not uh, be available for whoever wants to connect me. That's all, that's all wonderful. But um, on the other hand side, electricity is something um, that's very important for our body function and um, if you um, touch yourself or if somebody else is touching you um, 
at the end of the day, um, the starting point of touch uh, um, will lead to a reaction of um, electronics. And uh, this electronic reaction is something that has been intended uh, by by nature because, of course, we need some kind of um, yeah, signaling for different impacts and stuff like this. But unfortunately, there is something like a little price tag uh, in terms of um, um, a Wi-Fi connection or a mobile connection because these microcurrents that are basically flying through the room um, are also affecting our body. Now I have to interrupt myself uh, briefly um, because um, the, if we look into what I would call like pure science, it's quite hard uh, um, to find like too many information. Um, the um, German BFS.de, uh, um, Bundesamt für Strahlenschutz uh, website, is, some, is a quite nice kind of um, location to get this little piece of information that's really out right now. So basically what's completely accepted is that um, every kind of um, Wi-Fi, every kind of mobile technology um, is going to raise your body temperature within a quite short period of time. So um, there is more than a little bit of uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, familiarity between the microwave and the mobile phone. Both are capable of heating and um, the higher the amount of fluidity uh, fluid um, in, in, the, in the body part, uh, the easier it's going to get heated up. So, um, for example, um, there's a reason that um, Apple nowadays is um, obliged by law, for example, in California, um, to put something like a warning on the packaging of the iPhone, not to use the phone close to the head because of this heating concerns. Um, that's, of course, uh, if we lay out in the sun for a little bit of time, if we sit in the sauna or in the infrared cabin, getting a little bit more heat than usual for a short period of time is probably not killing us, but at least uh, this is the first kind of effect we know about the non-native high-level electromagnetic fields. They are going to heat the body up and uh, the higher the amount of fluid, uh, the bigger the rise in temperature is going to be. And um, yeah, at this point I tend to say, uh, nature can, can be a little bit rude because uh, if you look at the brain, if you look at the eyes and for the male listeners, if you look at the gonads, um, those are the three body parts uh, that contain basically the most amount of um, liquid and therefore they are getting heated up the most. So um, without any kind of spoiler alert or something, but just as a raw warning, it's definitely not the best idea, especially for somebody uh, in your age uh, to have a switched on mobile phone in the pocket because most probably you're going to heat something up down there. And uh, this is one of the things that have been um, studied that, uh, uh, yeah, Heating the, the gonads on a, on a constant level is definitely reducing sperm production and uh, your capability 
of uh, keeping up uh, fertility for for a long time. So that's that's something we can take as a first takeaway. Um, Electro, non-native high-level electromagnetic fields produce heat and too much heat on the wrong body parts can be a quite stupid thing. So that's, that's, a, that's something I think that's, that's still scientifically agreed. Then um, it becomes a little bit more complicated on the high-level ele electromagnetic fields because I like uh, the ideas of uh, Professor Martin Paul quite a lot, who is an uh, um, emeritus professor in Washington, as far as I remember, who has been very outspoken on his idea of the voltage-gated calcium channels and their impact on the... Um, and their reaction to the um, high-level electromagnetic fields. Um, if we go back to whatever five minutes ago when I was talking about this um, idea of um, transferring electricity to, through touch, um, at, the, at the end, uh, every time you touch yourself or you get touched, uh, those voltage-gated calcium channels are going to open up and um, shoot a little amount of calcium into the cell. Why they do, the, why they do this naturally is something I could not even tell you at the moment. It seems to be something that's necessary for um, tra transmitting of some kind of information. But according to uh, Professor Paul, um, the, the problem is arising a little bit uh, with this idea of uh, getting more and more exposure of uh, non-native electromagnetic fields, basically, in, in addition to touch or the other stuff that, that usually tended to trigger this. And it's a very stupid analogy, but I like it a lot. A lot. If we um, take the voltage-gated calcium channel and uh, compare it to a light switch, basically, um, yeah, um, Whatever, 15 years ago, when I moved into the place I'm still living, um, I spent a little bit of money on renovating the place, so I got a new light switches basically in every room. And yeah, now 15 years later, those switches are still working almost fine, just in the kitchen and in the loo, the two, two locations where I need to switch on the light a little bit more than in the other places of the house, uh, day in, day out, uh, um, the, the, the switches seem a little bit worn out or don't work exactly like they used to work in terms of snappiness and so on. And this could be, if we um, believe uh, Martin Paul, be a little bit of explanation why it's not such a clever idea to be in exposed to the high-level electromagnetic fields on a long-term scale because most probably the voltage-gated calcium channels are going to uh, wear down a little bit. And in addition, um, if we look into the mobile phone technologies, you know this um, with every uh, higher number uh, in, uh, before the G, basically the, the frequency is rising. And with 5G, now um, we have um, a quite funny situation, um, which uh, 
on the one hand side again uh, would uh, indicate that the intensity of the radiation that's emitted um, by the phones or by the sending devices is not, not as uh, strong as it used to be in the past. But on the other hand side, the frequency of the uh, of this, this em emitted uh, radiation is way higher. So, um, for example, if we if we simplify it uh, uh, very very much. Um, in the beginning, whatever, every five or three seconds, we, we would receive a ping from the mobile technologies, and now we are down to whatever, a third of a second. So at the end uh, of the day, there might be a time with 5G, with 6G or something that those poor voltage-gated calcium channels uh, never find the time to close and to relax, and so basically we are shooting the calcium into the cells uh, on a very high level. Um, is this deadly? I don't think so. Is this something intended by nature? Definitely not. And uh, if we believe in these ideas of the um, super important role of the pineal gland uh, a little bit, like this Zerbeldrüse uh, in German thing in the middle of our brain, also called the third eye, it seems like the calcification of the pineal gland is something that's um, affecting most of the people in a very negative way. Now you put your telephone close to the head again and um, you get the, the high-frequency high pings, uh, especially when you are in the unlucky situation that your head is in between the mobile phone antenna and your mobile phone and the pineal gland is in the middle of the thing. So, yeah, there is some, some good reason um, to avoid the situation because... Uh, um, no matter if it's a, a production of melatonin or many other things, a good working pineal gland is something I would uh, like to to keep or regain in my case. So that that's a, the, that's the next thing. And um, besides besides of uh, so more or less uh, scientifically proven effects, there's also something um, I think uh, that's even enough for most of us. I, I, I don't know. I, I had this kind of epiphany uh, some years ago when I was flying back from China and I had my super duper new noise cancelling headphones and I liked them a lot because in the plane uh, uh, the, the sound of the turbines is something that's really annoying. So, so I got my whatever Beats or whatever the brand was, and I was super lucky uh, about listening to music while sleeping and, and, and all the time. And, but after whatever eight or nine hours, uh, when I changed the plane in Istanbul, I, I was aggressive on a level that was a little bit uh, um, irritating to myself because the flight was nice and everything was good, but I felt like, okay. And uh, I just realized. Um, after some hours of exposure to the high-level electromagnetic fields, at least in my case, um, it's just like a poor release of cortisol. So it, seem, it seems like um, there's also a third pathway that basically um, makes us uh, feeling stressed more and more when you don't get at least some breaks against those high-level um, electromagnetic field exposure. 
So that 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 could be something like an an, an entry point uh, to the to the to the non-native stuff um, to to give the low-level electromagnetic fields also a little bit of podium. Um, here it's I don't know. It, it's it's a little bit harder to say because uh, we we most of the people living in what we nowadays call civilization um, spent the last 60, 70 years being surrounded by low-level electromagnetic fields um, because of electric light, because of the fridge, because of uh, the TV station and stuff like this. And uh, obviously, um, it's not that harmful that uh, the, the, that humanity started to to degrade or something. On the other hand side, uh, it's probably not the best idea to have have something like a low level electromagnetic field uh, directly next to your head when you when you want to sleep because. Um, there was a very nice study conducted, conducted at the University of uh, uh, Zurich in Switzerland, I think three years ago, where they just looked uh, into a um, sleep lab, Schlaflabor, and uh, invited young, healthy uh, men, somebody like you, Sebastian, um, into, this, into, the, into the sleeping lab and they gave them one night in the complete same setting with um, some exposure to the low and high level EMF and another night without uh, the exposure. And um, who would have guessed it, the heart rate variability um, in the night being exposed to the high level and low level EMF was way lower than in the night where they shut it down the stuff. So um, this would be also my third and uh, last takeaway um, to how to handle or why to handle electromagnetic fields and to be conscious about we don't know exactly if the shit is going to kill us. We don't know exactly how the shit could kill us in case it's going to kill us. But uh, what we uh, know on a quite nice scientific level nowadays is it's it's reducing our heart rate variability and this is something you don't want to have especially not at night because uh, since now everybody has understood that um, sleep is something very important for all the regenerative uh, processes and blah 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 um, I, I, I rather have a good night of sleep than a bad one and uh, unless I'm working in the ER and uh, have uh, on-call duty and there's no chance for a landline phone, I think most of us don't have a reason to have a switched on a mobile phone or something similar in the bedroom at night. So that would be something like uh, a kind of weird introduction to the topic. <laughs> no, right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um as a quick interception, uh, heart rate variability is definitely a, a kind of one of the best predictors we have for, well, overall well-being to kind of assess whether there's something, uh, yeah, heavily going on. And two points I'd like to um, have you elaborate on further here. Um, first of all, you were talking about... Um, how the your mood was directly affected from the flight 
So I would have the, the questions one, um, how, how does flying itself uh, will damage you there? And um, how could you work against that? Because that's something many people simply can't escape. Absolutely. So yeah, um, fly, flying, um, yeah, is unless you are a bird, uh, flying is something like a nightmare by itself. So, so if we uh, go back to school and remember the idea of the Faraday cage, uh, that's yeah. the first thing. It's quite funny. So, so um, if you take a typical like long haul airplane nowadays. So you have 340 people being entrapped in a Faraday's cage with their mobile devices. Um, now as this uh, plane takes off and uh, after a few minutes, uh, this information goes through the air that you now may um, connect your mobile devices uh, to the board Wi-Fi or airplane Wi-Fi or whatever you want to call it, um, most probably 50 to 60% of the people are either too stupid or uh, not interested in just connecting to the Wi-Fi so they switch on their mobile phones on the plane. So we are sitting in a Faraday's cage uh, flying through the air. There's an onboard Wi-Fi that's generating some high-level EMF that's somehow planned. We have all these Bluetooth devices also generating um, high-level uh, or high-frequency EMF uh, on the plane. Um, in addition, we have those phones uh, that have been completely switched on to find... Um, um, some kind of uh, connect uh, doesn't make the thing, a thing uh, more entertaining. In addition, we have the so-called ionization or ionizing radiation. Sorry, it's a little bit a complicated one. Um, like the Weltraumstrahlung in Germany, which is, is this kind of radiation that you that you get in very higher levels. Uh, when Mr. Musk, for example, is uh, thinking about to move people to the Mars, uh, as long as we are not in the situation to um, shield ourselves uh, against this gamma rays, there will be, no, will be no human life on Mars. And even if there's a little bit of human uh, life on Mars, as there won't be a second generation because I can uh, guarantee you the gamma radiation on a higher level is going to fuck up the re reproductive um, organs on a level um, that's a completely nightmare, but also on a short term on the on the plane, uh, you also get this gamma radiation. So um, just just taking uh, those different kinds of um, electromagnetic fields uh, that are exposing us on the plane is, is definitely one of the worst things uh, you can you can think about. Um, how to combat the situation is quite complicated. In some cases, quite easy. In some others, and impossible. In the third um, for the ionization ionis, oh God, 
ionizing radiation. Um, I'm not 100% uh, sure. Mr. Joe Mercola is not just the most known doctor on the internet. He's also one of the guys that are a little bit stronger in the um, discussion. Is he a quite quack or not? But um, mm. for me personally, Joe is a quite is a quite nice old man who is super super open about all his spleens and he's definitely one of the guys who has been most outspoken about um, EMF and all this stuff and also if his book is not exactly like a scientific kind of literature there are some quite nice ideas so so Joe Mercola is a huge fan of fasting on the plane because he uh, found some research that's basically proving when in a fasted stage uh, your body is easier capable of handling this ionizing radiation from the from the airplane right so flying fast it would be uh, the solution for this one um, other other than this uh, there are some ideas also uh, published uh, by Joe Mercola about supporting um, some of the pathways in the body with uh, supplementing with uh, NAD or NADH and uh, stuff like this. So that could be something like an option uh, in addition to the fasting protocol to have this kind of, um, yeah, Weltraumstrahlung under control um, for the uh, non-native high-level electromagnetic fields. It's complicated because uh, 340 people in a Faraday's cage, you can't change the situation. You can't ask your neighbor to shut down the phone. You can't ask the flight attendant if it would be possible to switch out the Wi-Fi because you are on the plane. So that's all a little bit complicated. So um, that was probably the reason I uh, came up with this idea of EMF blocking um, closing. Um, Unfortunately, the stuff I have developed is super, super, super expensive, and uh, that's probably a really limiting factor. Um, but if you look, for example, on websites like lessemf.com or so, there are also some a little bit more affordable kind of closing strategies uh, to shield yourself on the plane. Um, but if this is not an option, I think... Um, to, to stick with Joe Mercola a little bit here, because uh, when we started developing closing together, he always wanted to have something like a grounding connector for all the EMF uh, stuff. So what you can do is um, before start and after landing on the plane, uh, make sure you um, connect some kind of non-closing uh, covered body part, whatever your hand or get rid of the shoes and the socks, whatever, and find some piece of metal on the plane because on the plane, the whole system is uh, one, one, once, uh, once uh, yeah, connected to the power outlet is automatically grounded and uh, at least getting, getting this connection to the ground as soon as possible uh, helps you to get rid, of, get rid of a little bit of this, uh, yeah, kind of electromagnetic uh, over-voltage you have uh, captured during the flight. Um, besides of this, if you can't shield uh, and uh, the grounding 
there is not there is not so much more much much more to do. Um, unfortunately, I personally feel all the time when um, after flying, if I have the chance to emerge myself quite quickly in a kind of natural body of water, like swimming in a lake or in the sea after arrival, it seems to help me sub subjectively a little bit to to handle the stuff better. But yeah, it's 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 an hazard. But uh, it's um, says says this funny guy here in Munich, uh, Moritz van der Borch who um, also speaks uh, quite a lot about electromagnetic fields. But uh, what I love him for is another kind of quotation where he said, uh, it doesn't make sense to stress yourself about stressors. Um, and I think that's, that's also something. So if you are flying um, whatever two times, three times a year, I think... Um, It's all it's it's all going to be good um, if you end uh, up uh, in a position similar to the situation I have been in, like with 228,000 miles uh, economy class. By the way, in one year. Um, you're probably prepared for a bigger kind of fuck up in this uh, in this um, situation i really would um, um, suppose uh, if you are already on the way to becoming a, a hon with lufthansa or something like this please invest the money and get some shielding closing for the air ride because uh, there's nothing else to do Yeah, and um, besides of this, um, another factor that also contributes uh, severely to this uh, overall stress situation in the plane is a little bit like uh, the other kind of electromagnetic field I have mentioned in the beginning of the podcast briefly, which is light. So um, that's also something I think we all should uh, keep a little bit in consideration. So um, on, when you look at the artificial light, um, With the LED, we got uh, some nice kind of power-saving opportunities that have been not uh, given to us as long as the Edison bulb was basically industry standard. But unfortunately, this new kind of light also comes with a little bit of irritating information for our brains. So um, I really would recommend investing a few bucks into a good pair of blue blockers, um, To, to make sure when you are in the plane you are not exposed to this kind of artificial uh, blue light uh, too much because that's definitely something that uh, is going to reduce your capability of sleeping by uh, blocking the production of melatonin on, uh, as, as a ma major pathway and it's also going to yeah just uh, raise your stress levels at a, at a certain point. Um, on the other hand side, a little bit of blue light can be very helpful in terms of aligning yourself to a new time zone so there are also devices funny devices that emit a good kind of blue light that can be very helpful to um, yeah have the overall situation um, at, at the place where of arrival a little bit earlier adapted um, that, that could be something um, the next thing is definitely Uh, find something like a good sleeping mask um, in t uh, for, for long haul flights because uh, the only chance to, to sleep a little bit there is really to block out uh, 
always this irritating light and uh, the light from the neighbor who just opened the, the, the window uh, blades at the, at the wrong time and all the stuff. So that's something that's, that's also quite necessary in my eyes, yeah. So uh, get get grounded if it's possible. Nav nav navigate the bad uh, blue light as much as possible. Use a little bit of good blue light to align yourself to the time zone. Yeah, and uh, last but not least, um, yeah, <laughs> make sure you find a find a nice seating location and you have enough room for yourself. Would be the last one, but <laughs> that's obvious. <laughs> Yeah, so um, perhaps taking most of this into consideration uh, in flying, it may as well be quite adaptable to other parts of your life. So being in a crowded area with many, um, well, EMF or light influences may not be as beneficial and what I've experienced, what's really interesting, I've also heard this from other people, that with improving sensitivity to light, uh, you, you only start noticing what the actual effects are because your body isn't that confused and you, you, you are able to distinguish what actually causes you to be moody or uh, feel certain pains. Um, so Absolutely. Yeah, grounding, light block, blue light blocking in the evening, uh, and other ways of EMF uh, limiting the exposure uh, definitely are well applicable in yeah everywhere. Absolutely, and a last one uh, to to wrap it up because that's something I. Um, I just was running into when I was researching on an article for this Red Bull magazine on biohacking that's hopefully out in September. Um, avoiding sunglasses is a very, very strong contributor to avoiding um, skin yes. damage, which, which is some uh, correlation. I, 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 it's not my field of expertise anymore, but it's something I found really interesting that uh, the sunburn ratio is decreasing on a high level when you get rid of the cool uh, sunglasses, which is quite sad because as a fashion assessor, as well, I think everybody loved those, but um, it seems like uh, there's a circadian mismatch happening when the eyes receive another light information on the skin. So, yes, especially yeah. especially in the morning, in order to wake up and kind of uh, sync your um, circadian rhythm with oh, it's actually the morning. Uh, it's very useful to expose your eyes to sunlight. Indeed. Cool. Definitely. So yeah, thank you very much for being on the podcast. This was a very interesting conversation. Perhaps. To finish this up, uh, yeah, could you give some information where people can find you, and maybe if they are on a tight flight flight schedule um, as well, something to protect themselves against evil Wi-Fi users. 
<laughs> for sure. So um, right right now, most inf information about uh, myself is probably found on Instagram. If you go for if you look for Breitfeld underscore biohacking, that's like where I do most of the content and where I. Uh, come up with news like uh, podcast episodes and blah 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 um, there's also a website which is hopefully um, in reconstruction once uh, our podcast here is uh, going to be released because it's right now not really matching um, the, the state of the union to put it this way it's also brightfeld-biohacking.com um, but yeah take it with a grain of salt right now it's not like um, something I'm super proud of but it's at least showing a little bit of the expertise and yeah for uh, for For products, uh, the Lanzerhof uh, online store or the biohacking bookstore in Finland are probably the two outlets where you find my products. And um, yeah, at the end, uh, thank you so much, Sebastian, for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope I managed to give, you a, give your listeners a little bit of an intro in this uh, like mysterious field uh, of electromagnetic fields. And yeah. Thank you so much.